Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Jules Cormier. I'm a doctor, teacher, and nutritionist, and I help people put more plants on their plates. Evidence-based nutrition gave me my life back, and I'm here to tell you all about it. Welcome back to another episode. Today we'll be talking about obesity. Now, I know that talking about obesity is controversial, but not talking about it is much worse. Some believe that obesity is a choice, even a lack of motivation. Some associate it with being lazy and being inactive. Is that really the case? I personally don't think so. Now, let me explain. Over the last three generations, say, since your grandparents' generation, the incidence of obesity has gone from 1 in 30 to 1 in 3. And if you include overweight people too, the incidence goes up to 2 out of every 3 people. That's pretty much everyone in the same room with you at this very moment. Now, the obesity pandemic seems to have touched most countries and is a worldwide phenomenon. Now, did everyone just get lazy or lose self-control? And ironically, studies show that the average person actually does more physical activity now than ever before. So, one could question if there's even any link between obesity and lack of exercise. Now, is it technology? Are TV remotes, lawn trackers, and washing machines making us fat? Cars were invented before the 1900s, and obesity didn't really become a major issue until 60 years later. Maybe it's not technology at all. NEAT, or what we call non-exercise activity thermogenesis, is the energy we burn while we're doing yard work or typing or anything else that's not formal exercise or sleep. And although NEAT Calories do contribute significantly to overall energy expenditure. Their decrease over generations don't explain the simultaneous rise in obesity either. Could it be our genetics? Maybe we're simply dealt some bad genes. Although many genetic markers have been associated to obesity, they account for less than a few percent of cases and don't explain the millions, even billions of people that are living with obesity. And now most people are aware of the power of natural selection. The ability to overeat and store calories and fat may have given our ancestors an evolutionary advantage. Maybe we're just hardwired to overeat and store calories. Now, in times of prehistoric scarcity, storing calories in preparation for hard times was necessary for survival. Not knowing when your next meal would be, the capacity to store calories would give you a survival advantage. Now, in the modern North America, where we are surrounded by food on TV and convenience stores and on every corner, Maybe there could be a mismatch between our primal instincts to overeat and our environment. We have an innate natural and biological urge to consume sugary, starchy, and fatty foods. Because that's where the calories are. 
Now, when calories were scarce, we sought out these foods instinctively. But now they surround us everywhere we go. Our tendency to overeat used to be helpful for survival, but now it has become detrimental to our health in our new environment of abundance. Now, our stomachs can fit about 900 milliliters of food. That's equivalent to about four cups or one liter. Now, 200 calories of carrots can fill four cups. But that'll take you hours to eat and it'll keep you full for a very long time. What about fruit? 200 calories of strawberries also equates to four cups. Now, a stomach full of spinach, about four cups, is 30 calories. Some foods are simply impossible to overeat. And the main trigger for society, which is the feeling of fullness we have after a meal, is still basic stretch receptors in our stomach lining. And it's almost impossible to overeat whole plant foods. Now, the issue with obesity isn't people stuffing their faces with too much fruits and veggies. Processed foods. We've traded health for convenience, comfort, and shelf life. Although some processing is useful, such as freezing, blanching, pickling, blending, other types of processing actually changes the chemical structure of food by either removing nutrients or adding chemicals to our food in order to preserve them make them tastier, make them cheaper to produce. When we process foods, we increase their calorie content and density exponentially. We remove the nutrition and chemicals, including fiber, that send signals of fullness to our brains. Now, each mouthful of processed foods contains more calories than their whole food counterpart without being able to create that feeling of fullness and satiety that we usually have. We're left overfed, but undernourished, and nutrient deficiencies leave us begging for more food. Now, not to mention that the foods that are processed have a higher glycemic index. Now, the glycemic index is used to measure how fast foods cause our blood sugars to rise and are proven to increase appetite and lead to increased calorie intake. Now, guess which foods have the highest glycemic index? Processed foods. Now, by processing foods, we've increased its dose of sugar, salt, and fat. Lab-created foods never existed in nature, and our brains were never supposed to encounter these foods in real life. The ultra-concentrated doses of salt, sugar, and fats can almost be compared to addictive street drugs. The processing of the coca leaves produces cocaine, and processing the poppy plant creates heroin. Now, have you ever taken a bite of an apple after you've had a drink of Pepsi or of juice? Do you know what the the apple would taste like? Nothing. It would 
taste like nothing. Your brain and your taste receptors, they get dumbed down by the supernatural concentration of sugar that enters your circulation. Normal doses of sugar, like those in a whole apple, they don't taste like anything anymore. And that's the main reason why people who switch to a healthier diet after years of consuming ultra-processed foods have such a hard time. Natural, whole plant foods barely have any taste after years of overdosing on processed crap. Now rest assured that those who transition slowly, they'll notice a normal return of their taste buds within a few weeks of switching back to whole foods. And after years of being on a whole food diet, the thought of a Twinkie or a donut actually makes me sick to my stomach. Now, on MRI brain scanners, people eating highly processed foods will actually light up the brain areas just like a cocaine addict. And even after just seeing a photo of a processed food that they love, the same brain regions will light up on functional MRI scanners. It seems that we're simply wired to overeat. And that has been our basic reliable mechanism to ensure that we survive the scarcity that used to be ever-present. But now that we live in a world of abundance and processed foods, it seems that it's not us that are the problem. It's our environment, and it's the processed food environment in which we live. Why do you think it's so difficult to stick to a diet when the diet contains processed crap designed to hijack your satiety signals and are designed to make you overeat? Now, governments are subsidizing processed food companies and animal agriculture while ignoring produce and health food. There's no money in selling broccoli. Complex marketing strategies have been developed to sell products and food you don't even need when you're not even hungry. Have you ever noticed the strategic placement of products at the grocery store? The eye-level placement of most highly processed and profitable foods like $2 chocolate bars or even a two-for-one deal for $129. Have you ever decided to buy two since the third one would be free? Did you ever notice that strategy being used for veggies or fruit? Me neither. Our biology is simply not equipped to deal with the current environment we live in. We use food to socialize. We use food to celebrate. We use it when we're sad, when we're happy, when we're alone. Food is part of our culture. It's part of our identity. And big corporations know this. They spend millions of dollars trying to figure out your food weaknesses and then exploit them And once you're hooked on their processed foods, because they're convenient, cheap, and tasty, they have one. They've basically accomplished their ultimate goal, which is profit. So when someone recommends you a calorie-deficient diet filled with processed crap, 
Think of it as a smoker being told to smoke a little less. While everything around him keeps telling him to smoke more. No wonder people fail. Now, studies have shown that a whole food plant-based diet is basically the way nature intended us to eat. We evolved over millions of years and our brains are simply not equipped biologically to deal with the ultra-concentrated doses of crap that's in our food. So next time you think about being overweight or obese, try to see it under a different light. It's not because of lack of motivation, laziness, or loss of self-control. It's exactly what food processing was supposed to do. Make calories more concentrated, make them more tasty, so people would consume more of them. And you can fight back by going back to your roots and eating real food that either grows in the ground or from a plant. Now, all types of food processing are not created equal. And we also have something called the NOVA classification, which puts food processing on a spectrum. On the left side of the spectrum, you'll find ultra-processed foods. On the right side of the spectrum, you'll find whole foods. Now, if you've been following my content for a while, you already know that I've broken down the whole transitioning process into four steps. The first step is reducing ultra-processed foods. The second step is reducing processed meats and red meats. The third step is simply adding more plants with a special focus on plant protein. And the last step is adding variety, plant variety. So think about the ultra-processed foods that you consume. Do you even know what uh, ultra-processed foods include? They basically include foods like White bread, white flour pasta, sodas, donuts, cake, chocolate bars, and even some breakfast cereals. Now my goal isn't to scare people away from eating ultra-processed foods, but simply to reduce the amount of calories that are coming from these foods on a daily basis. Most people on a standard diet get about 60-70% to of their calories from ultra-processed foods when we should be getting maybe 5 to 10% of their calories from ultra-processed foods. So I'm not saying that you should never ever have a piece of white bread or a piece of cake or a chocolate bar or a frozen pizza. I'm basically just saying that when you eat most of your calories from ultra-processed foods over time, you do increase your risk of chronic diseases, including cardiovascular disease, cancer, immune, allergic conditions, as well as degenerative disorders like Alzheimer's, for example. So the goal is simply to get less calories from ultra-processed foods and more calories from whole plants. Now, food processing exists on a spectrum, as I mentioned earlier. And on the left side of the spectrum, we'll find 
ultra-processed foods where the physical and chemical properties were changed by either adding or removing ingredients. And very often, these ingredients are chemical additives or preservatives in order to increase shelf life or change taste. The next step on the spectrum of ultra-processed foods are simply processed foods instead of ultra-processed. Processed foods that are less processed, but they still contained chemicals that were added to change the taste, texture, and also the shelf life of these foods. The NOVA classification also contains a category called processed culinary ingredients. So the example here will be salt, sugar, oils, butters, and other fats. After that, you'll find minimally processed foods, which have simply been grinded or frozen or blended. And then you'll find whole foods that are unprocessed. So the goal when looking at the ultra-processed, processed, processed ingredients, minimally processed, and whole food Spectrum is simply to try to stay on the right. I'll give you an example. If you're consuming um, certain types of peanut butter, they're probably ultra-processed foods. Choosing a less processed type of peanut butter is a positive change. Choosing... Peanuts that were roasted and salted in oil and butter is maybe a little bit better. And then choosing whole raw peanuts that were not manipulated at all is probably the best way to eat your peanuts. (laughs) So the same goes with eating an apple. The least processed way of eating an apple is eating the whole apple. But if you're eating a mashed apple, you're typically eating a minimally processed apple. Now, on the spectrum of processing, as you're processing the apple further and further, you can transform it into concentrate-based apple juice. And as you're processing it even more, you can turn it into apple candy. Or if you're ultra-processing it, you're, you can transform it into apple soda. Now. It's always better to eat the whole apple, but processing an apple does exist on a spectrum. Another popular food that's very often consumed in an ultra-processed form are grains. So, whole grains have an intact bran layer, an endosperm, and a germ. Basically, when we process grains like brown rice into white rice, and we make white flour with it, we remove the bran layer, which contains the fiber, the vitamins, the minerals, the phytonutrients. We remove the germ that contains the fatty acids and vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients. So what this does is increase shelf life. Conveniently being able to store grains on a shelf for years. Now, The goal will always be to eat food that spoils before it spoils. And that way you can ensure that you're eating minimally processed versions of these foods. So some simple swaps that people could be making 
to reduce their exposure to ultra-processed foods is starting by simply reducing sugar-sweetened beverages, reducing processed meats, reducing white flour breads or pastas. Now, ice cream, pizzas, pastries, and cakes are also highly ultra-processed foods. The goal is not to avoid them completely if that doesn't align with what you want to do. But to recognize that we're getting 60 to 70% of our calories from these foods. And that's negatively affecting our health. So simply reducing the amount of calories coming from ultra-processed foods will reduce our incidence of chronic disease. I'm not saying that you can't eat these foods. I'm saying we are eating too much of them and should be increasing the calories coming from whole plants. The healthiest foods on the planet don't even come with an ingredients list. Or they have only one ingredient. So try to make smart swaps in order to reduce ultra-processed foods. Start by switching your white rice to brown rice or to quinoa. Try to maybe instead of eating white flour pasta, using chickpea pasta, lentil pasta, whole wheat pasta, quinoa pasta, edamame pastas. We always have them in our cupboards and eat them regularly. Try eating whole wheat breads instead of white flour bread. Maybe try flavored water or diet soda instead of sugary drinks. Maybe try a cauliflower crust on your pizza. Try a baked potato or sweet potato fries instead of french fries. Attempt a homemade salad dressing or homemade sauce using cashews with recipes you can find right on my website for free. So the goal is simply to keep moving along the spectrum of health. And you do this by making small incremental mindless micro choices over time. Of all the suggestions I've made, pick one or two that you think you can successfully do and maintain over time. Now, my transition took about 18 months and about every month I made one change in my diet. And that means that it took me about 18 changes to achieve a plant-predominant diet made predominantly of whole plant foods. You do this by focusing on adding foods to your diet instead of removing them. If you're focusing on adding less processed foods to your diet, they'll naturally crowd out the unhealthier ones. And you need to go slow if the transition is to be sustainable. So, of all the suggestions I made, pick one and focus on that one for a few days or a few weeks or even a month. Now, I'm a very black and white person. I am an intense personality. And I did recognize during my transition that I would have to see some gray. And I and I couldn't let my intensity get in the way because drastic changes are very tough to maintain over time. So you're better to make one small change, like, for example, white rice to brown rice, and 
focusing on recipes that include brown rice for maybe a few weeks or a month until you get really used to making them and you don't even need to think twice or to review the ingredients list or you know the recipe by heart. Once you've integrated that new recipe that includes brown rice instead of white, and we could apply that to many different of the foods uh, that I discussed today, your confidence grows and then you move on to the next change. So today we talked about basically obesity and how living in an ultra-processed food environment is likely uh, subconsciously leading us to over-consuming calories. And the four steps of the plant-based transition start with reducing ultra-processed foods. And we do that by simply swapping for smarter versions of the foods we already eat. Do not try to change drastically what you're doing on a daily basis for your meals. Simply look at what you're eating already and try to identify the ultra-processed ingredients or foods that you're consuming and simply try to substitute them for less processed versions of these foods. I hope this helped. Start low, go slow, and I'll see you at our next episode. Thanks. Peace. Yo, plant-based buddies. Don't forget to go check out my website, plantbaseddrjules.com. That's where you'll find links to download my free recipe book, my transitioning guide, and my supplement guide for athletes. And there, you'll also find links to future live events, to my YouTube channel, my social media handles, my blog, and even my other podcast episodes. Now, stay on the lookout for my upcoming e-course, where we'll be using video courses to teach you everything from nutrition science to how to cook and create amazing plant-based meals. And the best way of showing some support is by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify by subscribing and leaving a five-star review for this podcast. Right on. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.